we're going to continue to preach about our God. This is the eighth message we've had on a Sunday morning. And trying to magnify things about our God, our eyes would be on Him. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 48. A wonderful psalm in the Bible. No way I will be able to do justice to this magnificent psalm that tells us about our God. Psalm 48. You know, we've got a great God. And the more I live, the more I see how great He is. And the more I'm convinced how all the other things that I thought were great, not very great. And that's what Psalm 48 is about, and that's what we want to look at this morning by the help of the Lord. Put our attention on Him. The Bible says in Psalm 48 and verse number 1, Great is the Lord. You know, that would be enough. If God said it, that means it's right. If I never recognized it, if I never saw it, if I never could comprehend it very well, if God declares it to be so, then it is certainly so. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled. They passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord, of hosts in the city of our God. God will establish it forever, Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice, let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion, and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. The God of greatness, the first thing I want to say is in this text, it not only says great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He said in verse 2, he talks about the city of the great king. You know, our God is a great king. He's a king. As a matter of fact, if you look at the previous chapter, it's all about how our God is such a great king. He says in Psalm 47, verse number 1, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. 
some excitement there. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us. Boy, that's a good phrase. I don't have, I'm not preaching Psalm 47. But you know, we have such a great God that His choices are the best choices. And it would be good if we would just allow Him to make the choices for us. He said here, He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom He loves, Selah, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. He had to say that four times. Verse number six, he says, sing praises, or excuse me, verse number seven, for God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises, there it is again, with understanding. He's so great, he's such a great King, he deserves somebody to sing to him. You know, I don't think you could find a book that's got 500 songs about one person. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't think you can find a book that's got 20 songs about a person. You know, people have written love songs for their whoever they're in love with, you know, and they, but they didn't write very many of them. <laughs> I mean, and this is just one book. I mean, all the songs that have been written about the Lord. Why? Because He's a great King and He deserves to be sung to. Sing praises to Him. Verse number 7. For God is the King of all the earth. Verse number 8. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of His holy. You say, well, I don't see all that right now. But the world will. The world, the world will. And He's a great King. And in contrast to the other kings of the world. Look at Psalm 48 after He tells us that our God is a great King. Look what He says about the kings of this earth. Verse number 4. For lo... The kings were assembled. They passed by together. They saw it. (laughs) They see. Well, they they got a glimpse of the Lord. They got a glimpse of His kingdom. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. They ran away. Because when the kings of this earth looked at the greatness of our king, they just, they had to run away because they knew that there was no comparison with their power and their ability. Verse number six, fear took hold upon them there and pain as of a woman in travail. And he even broke the ships of all those kings. What I'm trying to tell you is in comparison to the kings of this world, God is such a great king. They're all overrated. You know, in youth, things impress us pretty easily. You know, the kings of this earth are really over. How many of you watched the coronation of King Charles? Yeah. <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's over. He's overrated. The kings of this earth are overrated. We have a great king. You know what I know about people? They're sorry. <laughs> They're pitiful. All of us are pitiful. You remember that sermon, Brother Ross preached in here about you know if you can't be great, at least be good. You remember that sermon? 
And he got up there and he spun all those plates, you know, of all the things he was. And the truth is, all our plates just come crashing to the ground. And that is true. But you know what what the truth is? God's got all the plates spinning and he's great in every area and all of us are overrated. Why would we be impressed with men? All the heroes of this world, they're overrated. Guys, I don't want to offend you, but Trump is overrated. And Biden, I don't even know what he's rated, but whatever they do rate him, he's overrated. That's true about everybody. All the heroes of this world, all the stars. You know, so many things in life are overrated. Beauty is overrated. People spend all the money and time and effort on their bodies to be beautiful people. And they're just, they're just gearing up for the worms to eat them. We're going back to the dust. The worms are going to destroy this. It's overrated. Money's overrated. You get up, people running after money, they're trying to can all, get all they can and can all they can get. And they think, oh, if I just had a better job, if I had a little more money, it's overrated if you got it. It wouldn't be what you thought it was. All you have to do is look at all the people that have, that have got their millions and have got all their money. And they're some of the most miserable people in the world. It's overrated. It really is. It's overrated. And everybody thinks that's not the case until they find themselves there. So many things about life, it's not as special, it's not as great as it looked. I'm always amazed at people right before they get married, everything's great. I mean, it's the grace. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not wonderful to be married. But I tell you what, after you lived for a while, you may find out it wasn't as great as you thought it was going to be. Isn't that right? Somebody thought about their kids. Oh, man, this child is great as long as they stay about this big. And then all of a sudden, maybe this wasn't as great a situation as I thought it would be. But what I want to tell you this morning is there is nothing overrated about our God. He is a great king. And no matter what I could say about him, I couldn't say enough about him. Buddha is overrated. I didn't even, I just heard one of the candidates running for president is a Hindu. I didn't even know that. They got, he believes in thousands of God, a Republican by name. You know what Hinduism? It's overrated. I don't need a God with eight arms and 15 legs. Amen. That's overrated. I don't need blue gods and green gods. I don't need that. All the other gods of this world are overrated. They're not great like the God of the Bible. Buddha is overrated. Big old fat Buddha. Overrated. Not going to bring peace in your life. All the gods of this world, all the things of this world, all the things that impress us. You know, sin is overrated. If I could just get that thrill, if I could just get that feeling, if I, if I could just have those friends, if I could just enjoy that pleasure, 
And it's just for a season. It's overrated. And then it, then it hurts. And then it brings shame. And then it brings guilt. And then you have to live with it. Sin is overrated. It's not great. But our God is a great king. And though the things of this world seem to be great to people and they chase them, they're not great. A life without God is not great. Atheism is not great. What a philosophy of total fatalism. Everything just quits and dies. That's not a great way to live. That's not a comfort to the heart. Education is overrated. And I believe in education. I have several degrees. But education is overrated. You know how I know that? Because as much as you can learn, as educated as you can get, you know what you're going to know? Nothing. As you ought to know it, your your, your knowledge is going to be limited. And yet our God is not overrated. Great king, he says. He's a great king. In verse number 10, look at it. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Our God has a great name. He deserves great praise. He has a a right hand of power that's great. He has righteousness that is great. He's a great king. Not only see our God is a great king, but he lives in a great city. In verse number 1, the Bible says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You know, I tell sometimes people, I invite somebody to come preach for them, and I tell them about Ardmore, and they say, where's that? Ardmore is not all that impressive. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good place to live, But it just doesn't sort of rate up there as a great place to live. Our God is so great that he's got to have a great city. A great city. Now that's not just Jerusalem over there in the Middle East where I've been to. That's not such a, a great place. But when he talks about this city that God lives in, in Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king, let, let me show you where that is. Go to the book of Isaiah. Get Isaiah chapter 14. Let me show you something about the city of our God. God, the place that God lives is great. Don't you want to go? He said in Isaiah chapter 14, he said that city is on the sides of the north. You say, where is that? Well, the Bible tells you. In Isaiah chapter 14, and with the other hand, you can grab Hebrews chapter 22, because I want to show you where this city is that God lives. It's a great city. Isaiah 14, the Bible says in verse number 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? This is talking about the fall of Lucifer from heaven when he became Satan. Watch what it says. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. That's the same phrase in Psalm chapter 48. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. 
Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Satan said, Lucifer said, I want to, I want to go up there to the sides of the north. I want to be in that city of the great king. I want to be on that mount of that congregation. Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible said in verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. He's talking about Jerusalem which is above, which is the mother of us all. Galatians 4.26 God's city is a great city. I'm not going to get into all the things about the city of God, but there's a whole chapter about it. It's Revelation 21. Do you know the city of God is so great that it's between 1,200 and 1,500 miles long? I'm not, I'm talking about the city. It's 12 to 1,500 miles long, and it's 12 to 1,500 miles wide. That, that takes up half the United States. It's about one city. Doesn't make Chicago look very impressive, does it? That doesn't speak to Los Angeles or Atlanta. Not a very big deal, New York City. Who would want to go there anyway with all the homelessness? I'm glad, amen, the city that my God's in, it's not filled with rubbish and it's not filled with sin and it's not filled with degradation. It's a great city. And it makes up half, but I'm not finished. It is 12 to 1500 miles long. It's 12 to 1500 miles wide. And then God says it's 12 to 1500 miles high. It's as high as it is long and wide. You say, how's that possible? Because God made it. What do you think Jesus has been working on for 2000 years? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's been working on that city. You, you talk about, it's a 3D, imagine. It, 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 is, it is so huge. And yet for all of its bigness, it's got one street. <laughs> one street. And there ain't no traffic. And, and they don't have to come out, amen, and repair the stinking potholes. Amen. Because the streets made of pure gold. I'm talking about a great city. See, why are you preaching this? Because you know what? We live in the nasty now and now, and what our minds and hearts are on are on things that aren't so great. And I'm telling you, we got a great God who is a great king that lives in a great city. And there's gate of pearl, one pearl, one pearl for each. What an oyster that must have been. Each gate in the city is a pearl. And there's one river, a river of the water of life. The Bible says the, the wall is the, of the city is like jasper. It's like transparent glass. It's, it said the city is like pure gold, crystal. He said the foundation of the wall of this city... It's made of all different kinds of stones and all different kinds of colors. 
Oh, this is a beautiful. That's why he said in Psalm 48, he said, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth. As I walk down here on this earth, amen, I'm glad that I'm headed to a city and it brings joy in my life as I walk on this earth because I'm going to a place, amen, that's brighter and fairer than anything I could ever imagine. Great city. He said that there's no... No need for light up there. There's no electricity. Praise God, that means there's no electric bills. They don't have to worry about carbon emissions. They don't have to worry about blackouts or power outages. Why? Because the power of the light of our God illuminates that city. How great must God be to illuminate a city that large? From his own power and glory. Beautiful for situation. That's that city. You know what the word situation means? It's where something is situated. You know why the city is such a great city? It's because where it is. It's so far above here. You know that Bible tells you if you're saved. That you're to set your affection on things above. Not on things on the. Oh, we live so much in this world and we forget about the great God and the great city of our God. And the Bible says that sea of, there's a sea of glass there. There's a rainbow around God's throne. And they're all praising God. And all that light is radiating through that city. And it's hitting all those stones and all those colors and all that gold. Makes this world look like a trash dump. And listen, if you knew you were going to a place like that, wouldn't you be a little bit excited about it? You say, well, well, no preacher, it's, it's hard down here. Yeah, but it's only hard for a while. But the Bible says God's not going to let anything into that city that, that makes a lie or, or that is sinful. You, you've got to get saved by the grace of God. You, just Everybody's not going to that city. Everybody's not going to experience that joy. Beautiful for situation. That situation, it's it's position, it's location, it's condition, it's circumstance. Nothing in there harms. I'm telling you, we've got a great God because He's a great King. All of His choices are right. He lives in a great city. Would you look at Psalm 48, verse number 8? He says something else about that city. Psalm 48 in verse 8, the Bible says this, As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God. Now, here's what I say about that. You know, there's a lot of things that you hear that aren't true. I think we need to read that again. Would you look at verse 8 again? As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of our God. How many things did you hear that didn't play out to really be true? You heard something. Maybe somebody embellished it. Boy, that deer had 25 points on its head. That fish that I caught, you know. Or they just embellished something that they did. And then when you got to see the thing, you weren't that impressed. You ever been, you know what I'm talking about? But you know, we have such a great God. That what we have heard, we have seen 
In other words, what was witnessed to us about the wonders of our God and the blessings of our God, it was not a false witness. We were able to see that. It's like the Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon and said, Man, I heard all about your kingdom, but the half was not told me when I saw this kingdom, when I saw what was going on. It was so much bigger than what I heard. You know, so many times what we hear is so much bigger than what the truth is, but not with God. I could not even, I could not even embellish Him enough. I could not even adequately tell you how one, if you're not saved here this morning, why don't you get saved and you will find out all these things we're talking about being saved. You'll, you've heard about it, but you can see it with your eyes in your own life. That God is good and He's right. And He's a God that changes our hearts and our lives. And it's so much better than we were, even, we were even told. He said, we've heard that which we've heard. We have seen with our eyes in the city of God. I've been hearing preaching. People preach about heaven a long time. But I tell you what, when I get to heaven, I'll say, yeah, they told me about it. They did not underestimate what's up here. I wonder this morning, are you going there? Are you, are you headed to heaven? Jesus said, where I go, you cannot come. If you believe not that I am He, you can't go where I'm going. Look at verse number 11, would you, with me in Psalm 48. It's a great city. Look what he says about this city. He says, let Mount Zion rejoice. If, you, if, you're, if you're a resident there, Rejoice, let Mount Zion rejoice, let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Look at verse 12. Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces. Go, go, walk around. Look around the city. Look around. Look at her towers. Look at her bulwarks. Look how strong she is. Look at her palaces. Look at the glory of it. Take good, consider it. Take good notice of this city. You say, how am I going to do that? I'm not in heaven. You can take a trip every time you open this book and God describes this place. You can take a trip up there with the eye of faith and consider the palaces. Do you see verse number three? He says, God is known in her palaces. Heaven, this city is a place of palaces. That, that's why I take offense at people, you know, that mistranslate John chapter 14 when Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And they say it's rooms. Oh, brother, there's a lot more than a room up there. He says in that city there are palaces there. Palaces. I did a study one time. I took all those dimensions of that city. And there, there's like enough space for you to have a palace of ten rooms for like billions of people. I, mean, I, I think that, that, little, that little dimension I just gave you, I think that's, that just goes right over our heads about what that city's like. There's palaces there. Okay, preacher, let me go work on my house. Okay, preacher, I gotta, I gotta go get a new car. There's a palace. It's a great city, is what I'm trying to say. The greatness of our God. Sometimes we live our lives oblivious to the great. He said, "Walk about it, consider it," and then watch the end of verse 13. 
He says that ye may tell it to the generation following. Somebody has to tell the next generation how great the Lord is and how great the city of God is. You know, there's people, I've, I've witnessed people before that told me they wanted to go to hell. They said they wanted to go to hell, go with all their friends. Well, that's because they've never been there. I've witnessed people try to tell them about Jesus, try to tell them about how they can be saved and go to heaven when they die. And they say, why do I need that? Look, at, look how pretty my house is. Look how, look how wonderful my life is. What do I need to go to a place like that? It's because they've never been there. They've never considered that. They have no idea. Somebody needs to tell the next generation how wonderful and how great our God is. And I tell you what, if we're bored with God and if we're bored with the Bible and if we're bored with eternity and bored with heaven, oh, what pitiful witnesses we are. I'm getting out of here. This is not my home. I am a stranger here. I am a pilgrim here. And I've got an why would I put big roots down here when I'm going to a great city? We have a great God because he's a great king. He lives in a great city. Would you go to verse 3? There's something else great about him. He could just be up there all by himself and he'd still be great. But the Bible says in verse 3, God is known in her palaces for a refuge. God is great because he has a great refuge for people like you and I. A refuge. Somewhere we can run to. Some place we can find that is safe. You've heard a lot in this woke generation about, you know, safe places. There's only one safe place. There's only one refuge for your life. This refuge is safe. It is strong. He talks about the bulwarks of God. It's impenetrable. If you want to run anywhere, so many people are running, but they're running away from God instead of running to God. Don't know what your need is this morning, but I tell you that our God, has a, He's a great refuge. No matter what's going on in Psalm chapter 46, just back up another a couple of chapters, he said in Psalm 46, you see verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In other words, the person of God. God is so great. He will let you hide in Him. He will let you get safe in Him. You run to Him. Have you ever run to Him? Have you found a refuge? There's a refuge at Calvary. There's a refuge for for sinners that have sinned against God and are guilty before God, we can run to Calvary and find a refuge in God. He provided that place for us. If you're saved this morning, you can find a refuge in the throne of grace where He invites you to come. You can run there and run to Him. Our God is a refuge. He said, in, you know, I've turned, but Deuteronomy 32, 27, it says, The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Have you found a 
a great refuge in God, a refuge from your sin, a refuge from judgment, a refuge for your needs. We have a great God because he's a great king. He's in a great city. He offers a great refuge. And then I want you to look at verse 9. There's something else great about him. He said in Psalm 48 and verse number 9, We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. The writers here are saying, you know, the more we stand in your temple and the more we think about it, God, your loving kindness is so great. Do you know you can be kind? That word loving kindness, that's not a word that we use often, but it's a great word in the Bible. It's not just kindness. And God is kind. That was even said this morning in Sunday school. The Lord's kind. But you know what? You can be kind to people you don't even like. And by the way, you should. (laughs) You ought to be kind to everybody. Isn't that right? But you can be kind to somebody and not love them. The Bible talks about our God. He is of great loving kindness. He is not just kind to us. It's backed up by His love in our lives. And they says, you know, we've thought on thy loving kindness. What a wonderful exercise to think. Most people don't think anymore. That's why they have amusement. You know what the word amusement, the word muse means to think. Amuse means you're not thinking. You know why we have amusement? So we don't think. We take our mind off our job. We take our mind off our, our trouble. We just We want to be amused. So we pop in a movie, watch a movie, because for an hour and a half or whatever, we don't have to think. You can say amen, that's the way it is. That's what we do, so we don't have to think. You know why people play video games? So they don't have to think. So they can escape reality. People don't think anymore. They don't sit down and think. There's no meditation anymore. Especially, he said, we thought on thy loving kindness... We're just thinking about how loving and kind you are to us. And we're just sitting here thinking about all the times. You know what? I don't think that we think about the greatness of our God's loving kindness to us. I can't do it. I can't do it. I wish I could. I can hardly do it with myself, Brother Larry. I wish I could get everybody's brains and get them to quit thinking about what they're thinking about. And have them to think on the loving kindness of our God. Guys, we think about everything in the world, but our thoughts are not consumed with how kind and loving God has been to us. Not just in saving ourselves. You that are, that are a little older, you remember your youth? You know what that book says? Thank God he didn't remember the sins of my youth. He was loving and kind to me, even in my stupidity, even in my sin. How many times God rescued or saved my hide, and I didn't even know it. But he watched over my life in the past. And he's loving and kind right now. He's not, he didn't get tired of being kind to me for all these years. He's still kind. His mercies are still new every morning. He's a faithful God to continue to be kind. He's kind to people that hate his guts. He rained on people last night and let their crops grow that never think a thought about him. 
He's kind to us right now. And his kindness, his loving kindness will be there tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Have you thought on God's loving kindness to you? Have you thought how real kind he is to you? How good he is to you? Or is your mind in another place this morning? The great loving kindness of our God. Go back just a few chapters. Look at Psalm 36. Oh, that we could put our minds on the loving kindness of the Lord. To think on it. Probably if we're not thinking on the loving kindness of God, we're either totally backslidden or we don't know Him. You know, the people that don't think God's very loving, not very kind and very loving to them are people that don't know Him. Psalm 36, the Bible says in verse number 7, watch it, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. You know, I read that wrong. There's an exclamation point there. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Do you see that? Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Look at Psalm 51. This is one of the most serious psalms in all the Bible. This is David coming to God with his sin with Bathsheba. And he is so consumed with his sin. And you know how he starts his chapter of confession to God in Psalm 51.1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. In other words, the only reason, God, you would look my way, the only reason you would wash me from my sin, the only way you could have mercy on me is that you are a God of great loving kindness. Only God could do this. Only God would do this. Every time. How many, how many times have you gone to God and confessed a sin? If, if you haven't done that very much, amen, you either need to get saved or you have a serious problem. Because we are all full of it. And every time we approach God and say, have mercy on me, Lord, it's all because of His great loving kindness. That we can be forgiven. Look at Psalm 63. Oh I love this. I love this phrase. Psalm 63. Verse number 3. Watch this. Oh this is wonderful. Because thy loving kindness. Is better than life. My lips shall praise. He says God. Your loving kindness. Is better than life. It's better than me being alive. It's better than any life I can live. It's better than any life I can hope to attain to. Your loving kindness is better than life itself. What a God. Therefore, we ought to be able to sing. The longer I serve Him. The sweeter he grows, the more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows, because the longer I serve him, 
the sweeter he grows. But we don't have that kind of a song if we're not thinking on his loving kindness. Guys, every one of us, our battle is our minds. Somebody's here probably this morning and you're not even saved. And the devil don't want you to think about your sin. And he doesn't want you to think about the fact that you're going to go to hell if you don't get saved by the grace of God. He doesn't want you, the devil doesn't want you to think about how you need to repent and humble yourself before God. The devil, the devil doesn't want you to think about how without God you have no hope. Without Jesus Christ, your life is totally hopeless. The devil doesn't want you to think about the fact that your life is going to end and it'll end very soon because our life is just a vapor and then what's it going to be for eternity? The devil works in people's minds to get them not to think about what's important. Yet the devil works in saved people's minds. Instead of thinking about the loving kindness of my God, I think about the hateful, disappointing heartache, problem, sin, disappointment, injustice, things that aren't fair, things that aren't right. And I think about that over and over and over again. And you know one reason that we, we were supposed to come together in the house of God? He said, when we got in the midst of the temple, when we got in the midst of the temple, we could not help but think about your loving kindness. You know what? If you can just look around here this morning, it'll help you think about the loving kindness of God. Because God's not just been kind and loving to me. There's a testimony all around this building about what God has done in somebody's heart and how he's rescued them and saved them and forgiven them and helped them and been there for them and given them hope. All we have to do is look around to see, be reminded of the loving kindness of God. All we have to do is hear His precious word. All we have to do is hear these songs and believe them and know them and let them enter into our heart. He said, we got into the congregation of the Lord and we thought on the loving kindness of God. That's why the devil wants to keep people out of church. He don't want them to think about how good God is. He don't want them to think how kind God is. He wants them to think about the nasty now and now that we live in. The last thing I give you this morning. We have a great God because he's a great king. He lives in a great city. He has a great refuge for us. He has great loving kindness. But would you look at the very last verse of the chapter? The Bible says in Psalm 48 verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. I'm glad I got a forever God. I don't have a temporary God. I've got a forever God that gives me a forever salvation. Our God, this God is our God. I'm glad I can say that. I hope you can say that this morning. This God is our God forever and ever. Watch it now as we end. He will be our guide even unto death. Amen. God is great, such a great God because He gives us great guidance. He just says, if you'll just follow me, I'll, I'll show you where to go. I'll show you how to go. And I will be your guide even to death. 
Let, 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 me just, let me just set the path for your life. You know where we mess up? We mess up trying to guide our own lives. We mess up trying to make the decision of our own life. It is not in man, the Bible says, to direct his steps. None of us know how to guide our steps. Only God knows the steps we need to take. But oh, He's a great God. He's a great guide. He knows the path that I need to take. We need to humble ourselves. Okay, Lord, just guide me. Guide me. Almost like a blind man, isn't it? I remember I was in college, and one of the, one of the most despicable things I ever saw in college, I, we had a blind, a blind man in college, and he would try to get to class, and he would have trouble sometimes. And Sometimes he'd have a stick, but, I mean, there were streets that he had to navigate. Sometimes there was somebody there guiding him. And I saw people just laughing, making fun of him, you know. And He'd stumble, he'd run into things, and they'd just laugh. I thought, that's, that's about as cruel as you can get, you know. Guy can't see where he's going. I wonder how much the devil laughs at us as we run into things and we trip and we fall and we fail and we don't know where we're going and we, we go the wrong direction. But you know what? As long as that guy had somebody to guide him, he got there all right. Because that God would say, watch your step right there. He'd get to the door and say, all right, we're going in the door now. All right, we're going to go up the stairs. The rail is right there on the right. Just take your hand and put it there. And, and he walked with him every step of the way. We have a God that is a great guide. Why wouldn't I recognize my blindness my incapacity, my inability. Why couldn't we just let the Lord hold our hand? Okay, God, I'm going to step here. I'm, I can't see right. I, but you guide me. You lead me. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to live. But you're my God and you'll guide, I'll let you guide me even to the death. If you want to lead me to the place of death. I'm ready for that. You know why? Because I get to go to the great city. You're not going to threaten me with death. Are you kidding me? Get to see Jesus? I wonder this morning, do you need a great guide? You need somebody that never gets lost. That always knows the way. Knows every danger. Knows every pitfall. Is he your guide even unto death? Or are you trying to figure this out yourself? What a great God we have. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your guide. Would you think on his loving kindness today? Would you put your eyes and your heart on the great things that are above? Do you need a refuge this morning? God is that great God. He is not overrated. And the only people that think he's overrated are people that don't know him.